Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Fish Stripes Unfiltered. We're recording this on Friday, July 15th. I'm your host, Isaac Azut, joined as always by my great co-host, Kevin Baral. We're joined by a very special guest today, and that is Marlins Radio TV color analyst, former Major League Baseball backstop, J.P. Arancibia. J.P., thanks so much for making the time, man. How are you? I'm good. The backstop. Wow, that's a that's very uh, professional term there. I, I usually go by catcher or, you know, but whatever. Backstop sounds professional. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and I guess we're we're waking up on news that Max Meyer, Marlins' top prospect, has been called up to make his major league debut. He'll be pitching tomorrow night, well, tomorrow afternoon at four p.m. Your thoughts on just you know the guy making his debut? Was it overdue, or should have been done? Was it done at the right time? I guess we'll see. I mean, uh, obviously, I think he had that little injury that that kind of set him back. So he might have been here earlier if it wasn't for that. But regardless, overdue or not. I'm fired up to watch it, right? And I've had, it's crazy. Yesterday I was, you know, learning about it and I posted about it and I had a lot of people reach out to me about like, dude, you're in for a treat. And so that was the cool part for me is like being able to feel like not just us being excited, but a lot of people that have been around him, a lot of people have been able to watch him that they're fired up because they're like, this guy's a different beast. And all you hear about his stuff is his stuff, but you hear about his mentality. And I think, you know, the cool part is, is the excitement that it brings. Like for me, I'm fired up to go to the stadium earlier today to yeah. be able to see him, to be able to talk to him, be able to, you know, kind of start that relationship. 
Um, but that's what I'm excited about. And, and when you have a guy that can really transcend a team that way, I mean, he was obviously a super high pick, and he was a guy that they said was major league ready when they drafted him. Well, now's his time to kind of show what he's about. Do you feel pressure right now about tomorrow? Um, I feel like maybe when I just got drafted, I felt a little pressure. But then when I, you know, go out and know that everything's the same, it's just a baseball game, it kind of takes all that away. Yeah, Max Meyer was the third pick of the 2020 MLB draft. This is definitely one of the, the guys we've been most excited to see this season. But, JP, we you know the Marlins are currently 41, I want to say 41. 43 and 45. 43 and 45. They are in that wild card. They're, they're, they're fighting for the wild card spot. You know, what have been your thoughts on this team so far in 2022? Uh, you know, it's crazy for the times that they've been up and down, right? Like they go five in a row and then they kind of fall off. Seven in a row, they kind of fall off. Six in a row, they kind of fall off. And then they just played these last eight games, which is probably the worst they've played in a while. Um, I mean, I think that they would tell you the same thing. Uh, and then they split those series and it's crazy because then you look up at the, the standings yesterday and they're only three games out. And so there wasn't like anybody has kind of taken off. And then you watch on the American League, uh, like what Julio Rodriguez has done to the Seattle Mariners, what, uh, you know, different guys have done for the, the Rutschman, for the Baltimore Orioles, right? And so these young guys can create an influence or a, a sense of urgency or energy, whatever it may be that these young guys bring to teams, which if the Marlins can go on a run, I mean, it's crazy to think like we're at the halfway point and a lot of guys have probably underperformed what they would say is their usual stuff. And those are guys that can kind of put teams on their back. So once they get going, this team is, is built to be able to be successful it's just a matter of guys taking off and not just, you know, hey, we're good for a few games. It's, it's got to be consistent. And uh, so I'm kind of excited to see, like, even though they're not playing their best baseball, they're only three games out. And that's the, that's the fun part of uh, where this team is at. And you mentioned the consistency. With a team that doesn't have the firepower like a Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna, you have to do all the little things right. And we saw them do a lot of the little things wrong in that Pittsburgh series. And I thought you and Glenn did a great job of exposing that with, you know, late in the game, you have the tying runs on base and they have the base stolen. And many times it was Hajan Birdie first and then it was Jesus Aguilar just swinging at pitches. That would have been the first strike of an at-bats, which gives them two more chances and they're swinging. Is that something that you learn in the club? Is that something that you're taught at spring training or is that just whether you have, you know, the IQ to do it, to just lay off a pitch when you know that Birdie has the base stolen or Billy Hamilton or whoever is on base? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's, kind of slowing down the game listen when you're in that box it's not easy right when you're in yeah. the box you got a lot of things going on you're trying to figure out you know what he's trying to attack you with you're trying to be on time you got all these different things going on but you also have to understand the situation and who you are as a player right so for the john birdie first and second two and oh count john birdie's not a home run hitter you right. know it's, it's safe to say <laughs> and so he's probably not going to hit a three-run home run a two-oh count but what he can do as good as anybody is hit with two strikes. He can put the ball in play. And so with that being said, you know, those are teaching situations like, hey, man, first and second, they have those bases stolen. Mm -hmm. Take the pitch and allow that second and third, just like when you're stealing a bag, and I'm sure it's frustrated for him when he's got a bag stolen and somebody fouls off a ball. So for me, that's the biggest thing. It's like, hey, and then in that situation, he gets the base hit. 
which is, again, why he is a guy who can take those pitches, and it would have been a tie game, right? Yeah. And over time, I think, you know, when you stand from where I stand and you can slow the game down, those are those little things that over time kind of add up so much so that, you know, I talked to the pirate staff and they're like, Dude, we, we were surprised that he, we were like, thank God. Right. But then on the next one, you have a Jesus Aguilar, right? Jesus yeah. Aguilar can leave the, the field, right? He can leave the stadium. Like this guy's hit 30 homers. He's been in a home run derby. Like he's a guy. So that one I'm not as upset about in the sense of first pitch. Dude, we've seen this game now. This game is all breaking balls and no one gives in. I'd give everybody, if I was a manager, everybody would have a 3-0 green light because that is probably yeah. the only time where you're going to actually have a decent pitch to hit these days. Because it goes 3-0 fastball, 3-1 slider, 3-2 slider, you're out. And that's the tough part of the game. So you got a good pitch to hit first pitch because John Birdie creates that because they need to throw a fastball because they know he's going to steal. Then I'm not as upset about it. I know for myself, I always felt like when I was hitting, listen, I, I hit 212 as a career, right? I wasn't like this guy. Who, but I did drive in runs. Right. And so I'd much rather have a guy in second base – or I can get a single and he can score as opposed to being at first base. So that's that's one thing for me that I've always kind of told guys, hey, I'll give you the couple first pitches and steal. And then if that uh, after that I, I can't give you any more pitches, then I have to just worry about myself. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Is that, like I asked before, I guess, is that something that Donnie will mention to John Birdie and to Jesus Aguilar? Hey, listen, when you, you see the guys that stealing, lay off a pitch. Is that something that's going to be taught and like sort of – try to be worked on in the future or is that just you know whatever you see at the box you would hope so i think i think you know a lot of it again it's it's the the way you learn and i used to say that experience was kind of crap when i came up as a rookie and it's not i mean the way you learn is honestly by failing uh a lot of times that's the way you learn and we saw that with de la uh de la cruz when in st louis he tried to throw the guy out at home plate instead of throwing the second base with Sandy on the mound, which allowed the runner to get to second, right? Then it was against the Angels, I want to say, that I saw him. I wasn't working that series, but I saw him throw the ball in the second and keep that, that runner at first base as opposed to tr you know trying to throw the guy out at home. And, it, and that was the Angels because he hit a home run that, that day to win the game, or, or his home run was the game-winning home run. And I told him, listen, the home run was cool. I was more fired up that he threw the ball to second base. And those were the little things where at the major league level, you get exposed if you do things wrong because, again, he threw at the home plate, the guy got the second base, next guy gets a base hit, Sandy gives up a run. And, and that should never happen, right? So those are those little things that at the major league level, it gets exposed a lot more than it does at the minor league level because you get away with mistakes. At the big leagues, if you give extra outs, you're in trouble. So that's where, you know, I'm sure all the coaches do their, their due diligence to be able to help those guys out. But, again, that's why – you're going to make your mistakes at the big league level more often than not, because in the minor leagues, you get away with stuff. You spoke a little bit about your major league career just for a second there. So you started in 2010, you ended in 2015. You were with the Toronto Blue Jays or in 2010, 11, 12, 13, then with Texas in 2014. And you finished it off with Tampa in 2015. What were some of your favorite moments during those times playing in the big leagues with, you know, it could, it could have been with Toronto, Texas or Tampa, you know, just a, a favorite moment. Well, I mean, obviously, I think my debut was uh, one of my favorite moments because it was a game that I had really one of the best games of my career. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 
you know, I got to kind of live out my dream. I got to make it to the big leagues and, you know, you get up there and the first pitch you see in the big leagues, you hit a home run. That's not something that happens very often. So the long awaited first major league at bat. First pitch swinging, Aaron Sebia, left field, back to the wall, and gone! Home run, J.P. Aaron Sebia! First major league at bat, first major league hit, and it's a home run for Aaron Sebia! You know, that was obviously a memorable one. Uh, there was a game against the New York Yankees when I was with Texas that I hit two homers and two doubles, and uh, it was in Jeter's last kind of you know, go around. So it was kind of cool. We had a packed stadium and I had, they had brought Batanzas in to face me. I want to say in the seventh or eighth uh, with bases loaded and I hit a grand slam off him. So that was cool uh, to like kind of have that kind of game. Um, and then, you know, I, I really had fun in Tampa. Uh, Tampa was, has had a culture of, of making it fun again and, and wanting to come to the yard and wanting to go and do things. And, and, you know, you had fun winning. It was almost like you were playing again in high school or college. That's what it felt like. They do a great job of their atmosphere there. And as a player, it was easy to see why I did well there again. And it was and it was because I really enjoyed coming to the baseball field again. I really had fun. I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, those guys, it's crazy how, you know, good analytically, I'm not saying for a hitting standpoint, but as a catcher, like mm -hmm. calling games and different information that I used to get. Um, that it was really cool to see, like, okay, this is why these guys have been so good. With guys that, I mean, it might be a 25th round draft pick at that time, or somebody who was a later pick who had high spin rate, no one really knew why his 90-mile-an-hour fastball was playing so well. You know, I got to kind of see it firsthand why they were kind of kicking our butts for so many years. Yeah, you mentioned you had fun in Tampa. That was one of your better seasons overall. I know it was a limited sample size, but, you know, you hit 310, you had an OPS over 900. That was your final major league season. I was just curious as to why you decided to hang them up, hang up, you know, hang them up after that season where you were. Uh, well, it was kind of weird because after that season, I was like, all right, cool, I'm back. Like, I had fun. Uh, I was playing every day. I was, you know, I was doing, you know, good things. Huh? And so I felt like when I got done with that season, you know, the message was kind of like, all right, you know, I was, I was back again, and this, I had found a new home with the team, and I made it past like this date where. You're supposed to like non-tender guys or whatever. If, if they, you know, if you're kind of over it, they didn't non-tender me. So I was like, or they didn't uh, uh, DFA me. So I was like, all right, this is this might be it. And then when they added guys in the forty men, there's another round of that stuff, and I got DFA. And and it kind of stunk because I was like, wait a second. In AAA that year, I had hit twenty something home runs. I was leading the IL. I got called up to the big leagues. I hit six home runs in like a month and a half. And, you know, I had a great year. I hit right. 310. I was hitting fifth in Tampa. Like, I was like, why is it this the case? And, you know, I, I just kind of – I went and signed, you know, again, next next offseason. I played in AAA for a little while. And I just got to a point where I was like, listen, I don't want to kind of lead the league in AAA and homers. Like, that's not my aspirations. And then I was back with Tampa and AAA, and they called up – Bobby Wilson that year um, when I was in AAA, like leading the team in homers. And I kind of said, listen, if they're calling up Bobby Wilson and no, no disrespect to him, like the guys, he's a great defender. But if they're calling up Bobby Wilson and I'm, I'm here in AAA, like 
maybe the game's moved past them. And I'm young enough, I've done well enough that I can figure something else out in this game. The game doesn't identify me. I have a lot more to offer than just my baseball skills. So that's why I was after the season was over. People were like, you're crazy. Why are you, you know, why are you retiring? Why are you hanging them up? You have so much more left. And I was like, listen, man, I'm tired of beating myself up. I'm tired of this game taken away from my mental health and everything else. And, uh, and that's why, again, I think even in this position I'm at now, I'm always very cognizant because I've, I've been very open about my mental health struggles. I've talked about my anxiety. I've talked about my depression and panic attacks. This game does not ever let up, and it's relentless because you every single day when you're like, oh, I just want a break, you have another day. You have another game. And so I just – I was like, man, I'm over. This is, this is not fun to me anymore. And then I was able to kind of walk away. So you ended your career. I think you went to MLB Network for a bit. How did it, um, how did Bally Sports come? You know, how how did that get presented over to you, and what made you want to join Bally and cover the Marlins? Uh, well, it's funny. I did like MLB Network for a little bit, um, where it wasn't a little bit actually. It was just like an audition, and and uh, they said that they didn't want to hire me uh, at that time. They weren't hiring people, or they were trying to go more diverse, which you know. <laughs> That I, I'm, I'm Cuban, but it is what it is. And uh, oh man! So then I, I I went and tried other other places, and you know, kind of nothing was happening. And I did one MLB Facebook Live game um, with in Toronto against the Braves. And my agent now, his name is Boomer. He called me and he's like, "Hey, I think you're really good at this. Like, you have a, a opportunity. I think you can make a career of it." And I was like, "Yeah, I've been hearing the same." back and forth. Everyone tells you you're good at what you do, but the, oh, we're not going to hire you. Oh, you're good at what you do. We're not going to hire you. And uh, I said, listen, let's all kind of talk to me, come up with a plan and see what happens. But I was actually almost on my way out. Like I was almost like, I'll figure out something else in life. I was looking at, you know, doing some stuff like as a financial advisor and different things. Mm. And, and um, I had the opportunities like, listen, just come down to Miami. These guys will meet with you. And uh, they're going to interview you and see if you can do some stuff for them next year in the pre and post. All right. So I came down and met with them. And uh, the rest was history. Started doing a few pre and post games. I only did like 24 one season. Really enjoyed it. And then the next year grew a little bit more. And then it grew into radio. And then this year it was nice that, uh, you know, I've been able to do – I have – you know, almost 140 games on radio and uh, on the main broadcast. So it's kind of split, but I mean, I mean, it, it, it kind of worked out because I was on my way. I was, I was really about to give up on, on this uh, occupation. You know, I'm glad you didn't because, you know, being a former catcher, that's the best position to just sort of give a different perspective to the games like you did all like you have all season long. As the next thing I wanted to ask you is just your least favorite you know city or ballpark to visit you know when you travel with the team your least favorite and then your favorite aside from miami of course well i can i i least favorite is 100 percent the coliseum oh. the oakland coliseum that place and i used to take the bark to the stadium just to kind of see all the special wonders that you can find on that bark because it's a it's kind of a, one of those places that you're a little sketched out about it you're probably a little scared but also it's uh it gets you to the ballpark and you get to see everything that, that uh, you're on your way with. But, uh, yeah, the, dude, the Coliseum was weird. It's uh, The clubhouse was weird. 
you have to walk downstairs through fans. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a weird, real weird, weird setup there. It doesn't smell particularly well. Um, so, and then my favorite place. I mean, the obvious easy answer would be Toronto because I played there most of my career, right? But that's not the truth of the matter. Is my favorite place to play was is Fenway. The atmosphere there was unbelievable. The fans, it's intimate, it's old. I mean, there's an organ playing. It just feels like baseball, right? I, I always, when I when I get to the stadium, I always correlate, like, the organ playing and baseball. Like, that is like, boom, you walk out and it's like, the organ's playing, like, I'm ready, ready to play a baseball game. And I love their fans because they'll tell you how much you suck and that they want me to get hit in the head on deck and then you hit a homer and they come you come by and they're like all right that was pretty cool so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a give and take but it fenway the the clubhouse stinks everything else is not great but as a player um the atmosphere is unbelievable and then i a close second would be st louis uh in that atmosphere st louis gets going pretty good um and they're again baseball but you know who has put together a nice little uh Atmosphere is Atlanta. Atlanta's really uh, done a good job yeah. of putting together a, a fun little uh, game. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've had a lot of family go to Truist Park and just say amazing things. I was able to go with you guys to City Field and cover games from there. They have a really nice atmosphere as yeah. well. Those fans are in on it from first pitch to last pitch. It, it really is something special. And I hope, you know, the fans of Miami start coming out because, hey, their, their team is three games out of a playoff spot. I just, you know, this is your second season with Miami. I'm pretty sure. Which player has surprised you the most, you know, positively? You know, saying like, wow, this kid can actually like rake or pitch or who has really surprised you this year? You know, I, I want to say John Birdie because obviously, you know, John Birdie has – I've watched him like come up through the Blue Jays organization. I've seen what he's been able to do, and he's been one of those guys that's grinded and never had the opportunity to really play mm -hmm. every day. Um, and when he's gotten the opportunity, he's, he's like the guy that always impacts a game. Um, a guy who I knew was going to be really good this year was Garrett Cooper, uh, just be, because he was going to be able to stay healthy with the, the platoon on first base and DH. I mean, he fouls the ball off himself, I feel like, uh, once a game, and you're kind of like, oh, stay in the game because you want him to be healthy. But, you know, I, I thought that he was a guy. If he got an opportunity, you, you watch his approach, you watch his, his, uh, his games, you knew that he was going to be successful because of the way he goes about his game. Um, so he's a, another one. And then on the pitching side, I'm not going to say that Sandy surprised me because before the season I picked him as my side young. So he's, he's been really, really good. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to say Braxton Garrett lately has been the guy who's really kind of fired me up because he's got the stuff to pitch at the big league level. I mean, 92, it's funny saying like 92 isn't that hard, but he throws 92, 93, but dude, he attacks the zone. He's been throwing in on guys, which is unbelievable. And he really has shown that, that usage of the slider, he backdoors at the righties. And then when guys try to cheat in, he can throw you a changeup. Like he has a lot of weapons and he's a lot better than a lot of people may feel or, or know of. He, he, and I think, you know, we were able to see it. But I think little by little, he's starting to get confident. He's starting to figure it out. And he's a guy who, you know, I've been very excited about to watch him kind of grow and develop. 
You very quickly mentioned Sandy Alcantara. I mean, this guy is just, it's just better and better and better as we go through this season. He's elected an all-star. We all believe he should be the Cy Young here collectively. Um, you know, why should he be the NL starting pitcher for the all-star game in Dodger Stadium? He's the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, literally, I was talking to Aaron Nola, who's in second in innings pitched uh, two days ago. And he's, and he's like, dude, how, how does he throw that many innings? <laughs> I'm like, the guy's an animal. He is. And he's he's the total package. And and really what's cool is, like, to see him develop as a human being and his, like, demeanor. Like, watching him before start now, you're like, dude, this guy's about to run through somebody. And you can tell how professional he's become. And when he toes the rubber, you know, I, I guess the closest I can liken it to that I remember is, like, a Roy Holiday. When, when Holiday got on the mound, you were like, all right, this guy's going – at least seven, eight, and don't get in his way. And if you're going to come and take him out, the manager is going to be, like, scared walking out there because it's just his game to lose. And when you talk about the All-Star game, obviously the numbers aside, the guys, his strikeout numbers are not as much – his numbers are ridiculous. They're Hall of Fame right now. They're, they're Hall of Fame trajectory uh, in the way that the season has been going. But for me – the guy who starts the all-star game is the best pitcher in baseball period. Right. Mm -hmm. He is the best pitcher in baseball. So the, when you hear about like Clayton Kershaw and all these different things and possibly getting a, a nod because it's in LA, that's ridiculous. There's no, this is not like a, Hey, you know, this is a, a charity event. This is the all-star game of major league baseball. That means the best of the best play in this game. And Sandy is the best pitcher in baseball hands down right now. And I'll argue that, with anybody that I see and he needs to be able to start that game because that's what he's deserved. God forbid he never has a season like this, right? That's unfair to somebody who has put in the work, done what he's needed to do. And now you're going to possibly have somebody else do it just for like, you know, for fun. No, thank you. He, he's yeah. the guy, he's a starter. And I'm thankful that he's starting today because Friday, What's today? The 15th? Mm -hmm. July 15th. When Sandy pitches, coming to the ballpark is freaking special. It's like must watch. And that's why for me it's so much fun to, to, to like go. You're like, dude, this guy's about to do something unbelievable again tonight. And it's and it's over and over and over and over again. Sandy's got 10. And another strikeout for Alcantara. Sandy's 1-2. Call strike three. Got him again. I guess like the one argument towards a Kershaw, which I totally disagree with, is that Kershaw, believe it or not, has never started an all-star game. So, wow, what theater it would be. But I guess you said it yourself. It, it's not a charity event, right? Yeah, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not like a – it's not a patty – like, hey, hey we're going to pat you on the butt. You've done well. And all. Listen, he's an amazing – he's a Hall of Famer. Like, yeah. the guy's a Hall of Famer. Fantastic. You're yeah. not better – better than Sandy Alcantara this year in the National League, and no one else is. So that means that he starts the game. End mm -hmm. of story. And, uh, you know, I imagine that Snicker will do the right thing and, and uh, give that ball to Sandy, and Sandy will go out there and he'll dominate. And, then, and again, I think little by little people are starting to realize, like, this guy is must-watch. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. And Kershaw, you know, has been such a great human that he is. He goes and says he doesn't want to take the opportunity away from anyone else or be given any special privileges. And I think that's him directly saying Sandy should be 
then I'll see you picture. All right, before we, we end things, we have a couple mailback questions from fans on Twitter for you. You have a little bit more time left. I think Eli's going to get we'll it. Talk, we'll talk shop all day long until we have to go to work. All right. Well, we got one part of this question. The second question was irrelevant. So we're going to go, What if you were to if you were to unretire and play again, which team would you like to play for? That can't be the Marlins. If I were to unretire and play, which team would I play for? Dang, that's a good question. Um, it wouldn't be New York. It wouldn't be New York because I – I told you, anxiety not good for me. Um, I don't know, maybe Atlanta. I, maybe Atlanta just because it's kind of funny. Atlanta was a team that my family grew up watching because when they came from Cuba, they had Turner Sports, right? They didn't get to watch right. it at the time, so they were big Braves fans. Um, and it's close. I live in, in between Nashville and Miami uh, and be close to home. So I'd say Atlanta. All right. Excellent. And then next question, it will, that was from Romeo Rodriguez. And the next question is, playing baseball and commenting on it are two different industries. I guess there's like a million of, of them in this one. We could just sort of answer it as a whole. What have you learned as you entered this career? What mistakes have you made? What do you need to improve on? What tangible goals have you set up for yourself to become better at the craft? And who do you look up to in the industry? Wow, that's a lot of questions in one <laughs> Yeah, this is from Just Marlin's Twitter account. Um, let's see. What have I learned? I've learned that sometimes I can talk too much. Uh, <laughs> I've learned that. But it's it's out of, like, just pure love of the game and, like, trying to teach because I really, really enjoy teaching people about the little intricate parts of, of baseball because I think they're so <laughs> beautiful. Um, uh, I've gotten in trouble because I can't say I on radio I had said possibly hit somebody in the tush. That's <laughs> good can't do that um you know sometimes i still have the baseball guy in me right so it's like i i get fired up about certain things and i still kind of am big on the respect of the game and all these things so i've had to learn to like be able to step back and take a a whole look at it and i've gotten on some umpires which i've gotten in trouble about um where i've probably been on them for longer than i needed to be but you live and you learn like those are the things that I've learned on um I'm always constantly trying to ask for uh a feedback of hey how can I get better what can I do uh am I doing this well am I doing this wrong and so that's that's the things that I'm always trying to learn and get better but I'm also gonna be me and be myself because that's what has made me me and I'm the catcher and I can think i not that I think, I know catchers speak on a different level because we've been in every facet of the game. So we have had to know about pitching, know about the bullpen, know about hitting, know about defense, know about game call. I and mean, we've had to do every part of it. So that's why. Um, and then in the industry, looking up to people, uh, Eduardo Perez is a guy that I really like listening to. I think he's great. And then I want to, I, I always try to use a telestrator during games. And the guy who I think is the best is Dan Orzlovsky, the guy from ESPN, the football mm -hmm. guy. He's What I love is that you may not know enough, anything about football, but when you watch, and he teaches you on that telestrator, you can, you're really like, oh, okay, I, I can see this. And that's what I try to do when I'm doing the telestrator baseball. It's like, watch for this, because this is why this guy is so special. Because on TV, he doesn't maybe do justice sometimes, but it's like, watch what this ball is doing or, or this is where you need to be or teaching, just teaching. I can 
I can, at least for me, I'm more visual than just, you know, audio of like, hey, oh, this is what his cutter does. And when he spits on the cutter, you can throw the back door to see him. Like, what the heck does that mean? Well, I can draw it on the telestrator and that makes a difference. So that's, that's a guy that I really think he does a good job with that. Yeah. And I guess the final question for me, right, and a lot of Marlins fans is where the heck did the frozen pizza term come from? Because I, I need to know this. We got it. Oh, know. dude, I don't, I, it's, it, you know how much like jargon there is over time in, in yeah. baseball, right? Like sit in the truck, frozen pizza, like all these, all these, where did, where did hammer come from? Like that guy's got a hammer of a curveball. <laughs> it like doesn't make sense or, you know what I'm saying? So, I, I don't know exactly where it came from other than we used to be like, we used to like mess around and say frozen pizza. Like that was a frozen pizza. I, I don't, it's, <laughs> it's just, and then it's something that I've always said. And, uh, and I think, I think a lot of it too is like, cause he, cause you would say like, Oh, he froze that batter. You know, that's where it derived from. Like right. when you caught a guy looking you're like, Oh, you froze him. Like you got, you froze him. Right. And then it just, you know, I mean, it could have been like, Frozen pasta or frozen steak. I mean, who knows? But they just came out frozen pizza. I don't, I don't, whatever it is, it's a backwards K. Some people like it. Some people don't. I don't care. I just have fun. I, I really, honestly, and uh, I love this game and I love to have fun. You guys are around me. I'm a big little kid. I love everybody. I treat everybody well. And I just love that I get to come to the ballpark every day and, and talk baseball. And, it's a beautiful game and they're doing something special. And I think that they're close and they're starting to really kind of identify roles and stuff like that. And, and hopefully, you know, with Max Meyer coming up and, you know, different guys coming and doing some things uh, that this team can like sustain a role. And, and, and I, and I hope that Avi and Soler and those guys kind of get going. Cause I think people don't realize no one's harder on ourselves than our than the players, right? Mm-hmm. Avi, Soler, all these guys. These guys beat themselves up every single day, ten times more than you can ever try to beat them up. So they're trying to figure it out. They're working hard, and uh, you got to stick with those guys because when you when you give up on people, then that that crushes them. But if you can encourage them and say, "Hey, I got your back," and keep pushing them and keep pushing them, they're going to get back. The, the, the numbers on the back of the baseball card are there consistently for a reason, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the last question comes from your good buddy, Noah, who listens to the Marlins radio. He said, why don't you watch Steinfeld? Steinfeld. Watch Stein, yeah. That show. Why don't I watch it? Because dude, I don't watch, I don't really watch sitcoms, sitcoms or whatever. I don't, I don't, I'm kind of a jock slash dork in the sense of like, I don't care to watch uh, like sit down shows. I'm I, I, I'm like go go go. So I watch baseball, <laughs> I watch football, college football. I watch MMA. I watch boxing. I watch car racing. I watch I I love golf, and I love the food now, and I love Animal Planet. Like I love like things like that. Like I'm I I love all those kind of things. I don't really care about watching. Seinfeld, and it's funny because uh, Severino and Geff always are throwing those those like references, references out there, and it's like completely over my head. And, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I can tell 
just by the way they look at me, I can they can I can kind of tell like, oh, we told the joke that you should get, and you didn't get, uh, and I'm just like, uh, okay, sorry. Yeah, and then, and then the one thing I wanted to ask you is like, what pitcher was the toughest for you to face during your big league career? Felix Hernandez when he was in his prime, no yeah. doubt. That dude, yeah. that guy was unfair. 97, 98, sinker. And then he had a split that was like 92, which I was like, dude, you have to be kidding me. Like, he had a good curveball, good slider, and he just – and you know what's cool is I said this. You know, back in Seattle, they had the Kings court. And they used to have, like, that section where it was like every time he pitched, they had, like, all the McKay shirts and all that stuff. And, dude, as a player, that jump gets in your head. And now mm -hmm. they have Sandy's Beach. And yeah. I hope that they really take – advantage of that and kind of play it up because it could be fun one and two i get jacks with hitters because when i i get the two strikes you'd be like i don't want these clowns to be fired up over here i i i'm not striking out and and it, and it kind of messes with the guys see and, and and you sure as heck don't want to get the two strikes because you don't want to hear these people going crazy yeah that's a fair point i can imagine just playing high school baseball it really does get in your head when you're out you're at the box and those parents are yelling at you to strike out. But I think that's where we'll end it here. Thank you so much for the time, JP. You all see you in a couple of hours. And Kevin, thank you again for being our host. So that's it for Fish Stripes Unfiltered. Sandiel Contra tonight at 6.40 p.m. Max Meyer tomorrow at 4.10 p.m. And it looks like it'll be Trevor Rogers on Sunday. So for Kevin, for JP, thank you guys. We'll see you next week. It's about to be lit. <laughs>